Good morning, everyone. Time to begin our service this morning. Last week I was talking about what a beautiful weekend it was and everything. It changes quick. Changes quick. But this is another day that the Lord has made, and we can be thankful that we're able to be here this morning for sure. I want to mention the men's retreat again. It's coming this Friday. We have uh, 27 that signed up, and uh, Wednesday will be the last night. We're going to have uh, the usual. We're going to have uh, Stewart's hot dogs and barbecues, and Pam's going to call some ladies and have some desserts and things made. So, and Of course, we have our special speaker, Stephen Rogers, So, and that will begin at uh, 6 o'clock on Friday at Howe's Mills over towards... Uh, Barbersville. If anybody needs any directions, uh, just contact me, Chris, Dave, Rick, any elders, anybody. Most of us should be able to tell you how to get there. So, And we spend, some of us spend the evening, and then we usually, Saturday morning, we'll get up and have a little breakfast, and then I think that uh, Rogers uh, will be speaking a couple of lessons on Saturday morning. And and we wrap it up usually around 11 o'clock. So that's Friday evening, 6 o'clock till Saturday morning to about 11. Also, uh, Larry Faulkner was uh, laid to rest yesterday. And uh, Larry and his family have been a big part of this congregation, I guess, back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and uh you know, so we want to remember that family and, and keep them in our prayers. And uh, we want to pray, continue to pray for the war that's going on and, and uh, that uh, peace can uh, happen overseas and uh, that the right decisions will be made and pray for our country also. We will have an uh, elders meeting this evening after services. By the way, services will begin at 6 o'clock this evening, not 4, 6 o'clock this evening. And if you didn't set your clocks back up last night, you think you're in Bible class this morning, but you're not. You're in worship service. So as a reminder, I know that has happened to many of us over the years. Check your bulletin for... uh, those who are sick and those who need prayed for, they'll be uh, announced later on uh, during our announcements. Uh, check it also for uh, the birthdays and anniversaries. And uh, I looked over, somebody nodded ahead about a birthday, March the 13th. Angie Duffy, that's today. Happy birthday, Angie. I was kind of threatened not to mention that. And you know, when you threaten somebody, you're just kind of, you know. (laughs) Happy birthday. Everybody, uh, as we begin to worship God, let's let's, uh, bow our heads and pray to God. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thankful, Father, that uh, we're able to, to be out this morning and worship you together. Father, we're... uh, Thankful for the congregation here and, and, and for the love that's shown to one another. Uh, uh, Father, in, in times of need, and, and uh, we're just, all of us are thankful to be part of this congregation. 
Father, we uh, pray for those who are shut in, Lord. Uh, we know that they would love to be with us, and, and we just pray that, uh, that you'll help us to remember them, to, to maybe send them a card, to give them a phone call, and, and now maybe a visit with, uh, with this uh, COVID letting up some. Father, we, we just pray that we can get back to a normal and, and, and visit people and do things that, uh, that Christians, Father, like to do, and that's to serve other people. Father, we pray that you'll be with us this morning uh, as we serve you to, to put our minds uh, uh, on you, Father, on the words being spoken this morning. And, and Father, we also we pray for our country, Lord, and pray for decisions that are made, and, and we pray for this war that's uh, going on with Ukraine and, and Russia. And we pray, Father, for peace that, uh, that this can come to an end. And, Father, we're just so thankful for all that you give us, all that you do for us. And, and Father, for the gift of Jesus that you sent for us, Father, that we have hope in him. Father, we uh, pray that you'll be with the Christian ward. Continue to bless her and her family. Watch over her. And, and Father, be with Jennifer Baker. She's taking her treatments. And, and, Father, there was many mentioned in our Bible class this morning. And, and we pray that that you will uh, be with them. And, and the man that Mike Huron spoke to from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, we pray, Father, that, uh, that you'll be with him. He's requested prayers. We ask that you'll bless, uh, bless him. And, and, Father, just be with everyone that, that's in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up as we sing our first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 532, 532, praise him, praise him. <clears throat> praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer, sing over his wonderful love of Jesus, I 
Next hymn this morning, number 547, Rejoice, the Lord is King. And after this hymn, Brother Jerry Stevens will have our scripture reading and prayer. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King, my Lord. Rejoice, thanks and sing, and cry out there, Scripture reading this morning is 1 Samuel 15, 13, 14, and 15. If you'd like to follow along, 1 Samuel 15, 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this? bleeding of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us, for the land in which we live. We're thankful for your son who came and died for us. We ask, Father, that you bless us in this service this morning to you. We pray that the things we do will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. 
We pray, Father, that if someone is here this morning that has never been baptized, that something might touch their heart and realize the need to, to become a Christian. Father, we ask your blessings on our country, on our leaders, and those in Russia and Ukraine, that they can come to a settlement to, to stop the fighting and, and be with those people in Ukraine and, and watch over them and especially those of the household of faith. We ask your blessings on our sick that you watch over Kristen and James and Jennifer and, and, and Casey and be with the Faulkner family at the passing of Larry and, and watch over them and give them strength. We ask your blessings on our others that are sick and are shut-ins. Go with us through this service. Be with Chris as he presents us with the lesson. And as we surround that table to remember your son who died for us. Forgive us, Father, of our sins. In that son's name we pray. And amen. Next time this morning, <clears throat> number 784. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why did my Savior come to earth? Why did my Savior come to earth? Why did my Savior come to earth?
Our lives are full of expectations. Friday, I had to make a trip into town, had my window roll down my truck. I was enjoying the day. I got home. I was working on the lawnmower, getting it ready for the season. Good day. I was expecting good days to come. Yesterday, I was in coveralls, a heavy coat, a toboggan, and I was cleaning six inches of snow off my truck. You don't necessarily expect those two days to be back-to-back, do you? When you're younger and you have to go online and select your birthday, you don't expect that with each passing year that turns into a bad game of Wheel of Fortune. I expected this morning that I was going to be tired. Maybe like I didn't get an extra hour of sleep or something. I was right on that one. Jesus had expectations. In Matthew 26, I want to go over a couple of those. In verse, starting verse 20, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. He expected to be betrayed by Judas. Skipping over to verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will... Fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus expected Peter to disown him. down to verse 36 then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them sit here while I go over there and pray he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch to me with me going a little farther he fell with his face to the ground and prayed my father if it is possible May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus expected the pain, sorrow, and anguish that he was about to experience. I say expectations, but with Jesus, these weren't just simple expectations. You and I may expect things to happen, but we may be wrong. Jesus knew these were going to happen. Interestingly, 
interestingly, in the middle of these three expectations, if you will, he implemented the Lord's Supper. Back to verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. With all those expectations and the knowledge that Jesus had, he took the time to implement something for us to expect. For us to expect to, every Sunday, do as we're doing now, to remember what he gave up for us, to take the fruit of the, this, the bread that represents his body, the fruit of the vine which represents his blood. With these thoughts in mind, let's ask a blessing on the bread. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for all the many blessings you've given us. Lord, we know that the greatest blessing of all is your son. We thank you for his willingness to come to this earth to teach us, to live for us, and to die for us. Lord, we thank you for his death, his sacrifice, and what it means to us that his blood washes away our sins and his body was hung on our behalf. Lord, we pray now that you bless this bread as we partake of it that represents his body. Pray that you will be with us as we partake of it. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. ask a blessing on the fruit of the vine. Father, again, we come before you thanking you for your son. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed on our behalf that washes away our sins. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this fruit of the vine that represents that blood. Bless it and bless us as we partake of it. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Another expectation I ran across on Friday was I had to go fill my truck up with gas. I expected it to hurt. I was right. Premium, by the way. So throw that one. Imagine that. 
as much as that may have hurt, and it may hurt when we go to the gas pump, we're still greatly blessed. I think each of us had enough fuel in our tanks to get here this morning. We are blessed beyond measure, and we know that there are others that are not. So we give today to cover the needs of others. Our, our outpouring of funds that we do, the outreach that we take part in. This, we have the receptacles in the back for our contributions. If you would, let's ask blessing on that now. Father in heaven, Lord, again, we thank you so much for all the many blessings. Lord, we know you've blessed us beyond measure. We have so much in the material aspect to thank you for. We thank you for our jobs, our means of livelihood, our ability to support our families, our ability to live comfortably even. Lord, we know that everything we have comes from you. Lord, at this time, we pray that you'll bless us as we give, that we try to give back cheerfully in a way that's pleasing to you so that we can spread your word, your gospel, your love around. Lord, we, again, thank you for your son, and we know of the great sacrifice he made for our for us on our behalf. Lord, we pray that you just continue to be with us and forgive us. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 572. Send the light. 572. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> we'll sing the first three verses. There's a call come ringing for the last, last way. Take the light, take the light. Take the light. Take the light. There are souls to rest in heaven.
Invitation hymn this morning, number 587, Soul of Savior, Thou Art Needing, 587, this time Brother Chris. Morning. You ever given someone a gift that they didn't want? You ever been that guy or that girl on Christmas um, that you were so excited that this person was opening up your gift and then... They open it up and you see their face and it's a look of oddity on their face. And you think, they don't like my gift. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. Uh, and if you've ever been a parent, your child, especially toddler, has picked something up off the ground. And they presented you with that thing and you did not want that thing. There are stories I could tell you. <laughs> Today in Hebrews chapter 10, we find... People giving something to God that he doesn't really want. But he's going to tell them what he does want. He's not leaving them in the dark. He's going to let them know exactly what he wants from them. It's Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. Again, he's talking about the law. Uh, this whole series, this whole section from Hebrews 8 to uh, 10, 18. We're not going to get to 18 today. We're going to save that for next week. But from Hebrews chapter 8... To Hebrews 10, 18, he's talking about the benefits of the new covenant. This whole, this whole new deal that God's making with people is so much more special than the old covenant. And we really have a trouble grasping how special it is because we live in it. And we don't really know what the old covenant was like and all the intricacies and the laws that they had to follow and the infirmities that that law had, we're not as familiar with that. And so when we start talking about how good Jesus' covenant is and how much better it is for you and for God, we struggle to understand that. But today you're going to get another insight into how much better Jesus' covenant is for us and for God. We can finally give God what He's always wanted. We can, all, we can finally give Him the perfect gift, the thing that he's always wanted from us. We finally are able now to give it to him. And that hasn't always been the case. In fact, in the old covenant, under the Mosaical law, the people were incapable of giving him what he wanted. And so he's been biding his time. He's been waiting for this new covenant, the perfect time. In fact, Paul would call it in Galatians the fullness of of time to send Jesus the perfect point in history at which Jesus' message could be sent out to the entire world happens during the first century. When everyone speaks the same language, the most of the known world at that point 
in the first century spoke Greek. And so if you've ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't speak your language, it can be difficult, right? You ever tried to ask for the bathroom somewhere in a foreign country and you really got to go and you don't know how to say bathroom? You can't get them to understand. So you begin to see the problem. Jesus' message was finally able to get out across to the whole world in the first century. And so he sent Jesus during that time for that and other reasons that made it the perfect point in history in which to send him. So we could finally give God what he's always wanted from people. Let's dive into the text. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Maybe, maybe you want to underline or highlight some of those words. Never, same, continually, every year. All of that goes in to show you, if you read between the lines and, and read the lines, you don't have to look hard in this first verse, you see the futility and the frustration of that old law. You can never give God what he wants. And you keep trying every year. Every year you keep trying. It just never works. You never get there, right? He's been talking about this law since chapter 8. And he's been looking for an opportunity to write it on our hearts. He doesn't want it written in stone anymore. That, that's what he did under the Mosaical law, right? He gave to Moses these two tablets that were written by his own finger that had his laws on it. And if you abided by those things, then you could have a relationship with him and you were pleasing to him. But but it just never worked like that. It is never hashed out like that. The relationship was never perfect because the old law is missing something. It had the ability to pardon you It had the ability to pardon people who were living under the old covenant, but it could never purify them. The old law has this frailty, this infirmity. It could pardon, but it could never purify. Now, sometimes Bible words kind of get lost in antiquity. We kind of don't understand the meaning behind the word because maybe we're not familiar with these words or they mean different things in scripture. So let me try to illustrate the frailty here of the old law. Say you were on death row. You've committed a crime. You were guilty. Dead to rights. Caught you red-handed. Now you've landed up on death row. About 30 minutes before your execution, the governor calls and he gives you a stay of execution. He pardons you. Are you still guilty? Yes, yes, you are still guilty. Are you, is that still on your conscience? Yes. Are you still legally guilty? Yes. Have you been pardoned? Yes. And so you're not going to have to bear the punishment for your crime. But the guilt stays, doesn't it? You see the frailty of the Old Testament covenant? Those sacrifices that were made every year on the Day of Atonement pardoned the Old Testament Jewish people, but it could never purify them. Even though they did it every single year, they kept going back to the well because that's what God said to do. This is how you become right with Him. This is how He pardons you. 
But those sacrifices weren't voluntary, were they? We've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks over the significance and the importance of Jesus' sacrifice. It had to be pure like those sacrifices were in the Old Testament. They were blemishless. They, they, they were perfect. They could not be maimed. Uh, and in fact, in the Old uh, Covenant, in the chapter, uh, in the book of Malachi, as the Jewish people, the revivals begin to war off, wear off after they've come back from Babylonian captivity. There was this massive revival and everyone's loving God and they're, they're sold out. They, they want to be so devoted to Him that they're listening to everything He says. Everything He says, they do. I mean, just revival is swept through the country. But as time can do, atrophy sets up in their heart, right? And they begin to not listen and not obey and not care what he has said. And so these perfect blemishless sacrifices that he demands so that he can pardon you, they start to bring these sacrifices that aren't sacrifices at all. And so they bring these sacrifices that are uh, the, the least in their flock. He has asked them to bring uh, bulls and goats and sheep and all these things are supposed to be perfect. They can't have spots on them. They can't uh, have, uh, be lame or maimed in any way. They were bringing the one-eyed goat to, to, the, to, the, to, the sacri- to the altar to sacrifice. They were bringing the three-legged sheep to the altar to sacrifice because they can't sell those things anyhow at the market. And so let's, let's just give this to God. Do you see the blasphemy there? Do you see how that connects to us sometimes? Do, do I ever give second-rate stuff to God? Does He have my full attention? Does He have my full devotion? Or do other things have some of my attention and some of my devotion? Have I made compromises in my life so that I can work more for Him? Or have I made compromises in my life so that I can work more for me? Or work more for literally anything other than Him? We do this an awful lot too. It's easy to look back on, 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 these, on the Old Testament guys and, and, and judge them. It's a lot harder to look into our own lives and say, I do the exact same thing sometimes. I'm guilty of that too. So these sacrifices had to be pure. But they also had to be voluntary. And one of the problems with the Old Testament animal sacrifices were they weren't voluntary. They were pure, but they weren't voluntary because animals have no free will of their own, right? They just, they, they're led to slaughter. As you see in the Old Testament time and time again, they're led to slaughter. So they're not voluntary. And so Jesus, God, was looking for a pure, a blemishless, a sinless, a perfect sacrifice that was also voluntarily given. He found that inside of Christ. But every year these people are bringing these sacrifices and they're just, it's like beating their heads against a wall. They want relationship with God. Some of these folks genuinely want righteousness. They genuinely want to hear what God says and then do it, right? They want to hear what he says and then do it. But they can't. So we need a better way. Um, that, that's kind of what he's opening up here in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Check out verse 2. He kind of says, well, 
They want to do what's right, but these sacrifices every year, they keep bringing them every year. Why do they keep doing it every year? Otherwise, would they not have been... Would they not have ceased to be offered these sacrifices since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? He says they keep bringing these sacrifices because they're aware of the guilt that's residing inside of them. Do you feel guilt about your past sins? They did too. And it, it was eating them alive. They couldn't get rid of it intrinsically they could not get rid of it because the old law didn't have that power. You ever tried to get a stubborn screw into a wall with one of those uh, analog <laughs> screwdrivers? You know, the ones you use, your hand power? What happens when you get uh, an electric or a, or a battery-operated screwdriver? Just right in the wall, right? It's got the power. The Old Testament covenant did not have the power to remove guilt from people. It was able to pardon them, but it wasn't able to remove guilt. So they kept on bringing these sacrifices year after year. And it was just a reminder to them. Every time the Day of Atonement came up, it happens one time a year, right? We've talked a lot about the Day of Atonement over the last couple of weeks especially. But it happens one time a year. The high priest would go into the holy place... And then the most holy place, and he would offer the sacrifice there. And every, I mean, it's, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that surrounds the Day of Atonement. It was a whole day worth of sacrificing and, and, and uh, proclamations and things like that. And every minute of that day was just another reminder of the people's sin. Why is this day happening? Because of what I did. Yesterday, because of what I did this morning, because of what I did over the last year, this day is necessary. What else does this remind me of? That God has remembered my sin as well. What's worse, me remembering my sin or knowing that God remembers my sin? Right? This day where they brought sacrifices was a reminder not only that they remembered their sin but that God remembered it and there would be punishment, that there was, that there was uh, accountability, that they would have to make recompense for this. And so they continue offering these sacrifices because they feel the guilt themselves. Verse 3, But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. That's what we just talked about. Verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible. It doesn't work. It doesn't have that power. Only Jesus' pure and voluntary sacrifice has that kind of authority, has that kind of power. You have that open to you today. To be able to get out of the guilt. To have the guilt removed from you. you didn't have that under the old covenant. You just had to deal with it. You had to be borne down by it. You ever went backpacking? Sometimes Kelly and I like to take the kids on these hikes. Uh, not too long ago, we say not too long ago in COVID, you remember, it's probably been a couple of years. But uh, we took the kids on this, this hike and it was, was going to be a great idea, great fun. We didn't, we'd never been on this hike before. 
for. And so we were excited uh, and we didn't know how long it had uh, it was going to be. So we put some waters in the backpack and there's lots of us. So there was lots of waters and I had the backpack on my shoulders. And I think this was even before Ethan. This has been a while ago. Good gracious. Uh, so because um, now I carry Ethan on my back, which may be a better illustration than this one. But so uh, I've got all these waters on my back and we're it turns out the, the trail we're going on is straight uphill, and it's not paved, of course. It's, it's rocky and muddy, and it's straight uphill, and it's like a mile uphill. In my head, it's like 10 miles uphill, and, and you're just trying to go up there, but you've got 15 or 20 pounds in your back, which doesn't seem like that much, but you get halfway up this mile-long hill, and it starts getting pretty heavy, doesn't it? And you start thinking, oh, man, if I could just take this burden off my back, if I could just get rid of guilt, how much better would my life be? better would your life be if I didn't have to look back at all the stuff I've done and feel the regret for them. If my conscience wasn't burned by those sins. That's the power of Jesus' sacrifice. This pure voluntary sacrifice has the ability to remove, to cleanse, not just purify, or not just, not just pardon, but also purify my conscience to remove the guilt. It's really incredible, right? What an opportunity. What an advantage His sacrifice has for us. Interestingly enough, we talk about this sacrifice being pure and voluntary. The people that have taken advantage of Jesus' pure and voluntary sacrifice, do you know what He demands of us? Pure and voluntary sacrifice to Him. Our sacrifices have to be voluntary, and we need to be pure if we're going to be a part of His kingdom, if we're going to be a part of His body, if we're going to be a part of His family. Interesting, right? Powerful. Listen to what else He says here in verse 5. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Does those words sound familiar, especially the first, first couple of lines? They should, right? Jerry read them for us just a minute ago from 1 Samuel 15. But do you know the story there? Because as far as I can tell, the first time this idea that God doesn't want sacrifices, He wants obedience. The first time I, I think I can find that in Scripture is on the lips of the prophet Samuel, what Jerry read for us this morning. Saul, the first king of Israel, was told to go completely destroy the Amalekites. They caused Israel all kinds of problems in the history um, they, in fact, were one of the nations that tried to stop Israel from coming into the promised land. So now Saul, as the period of the judges is coming to a close, um, God is looking out for his people in this attempt to, to, to purify them, to cleanse them. Uh, he's, he's looking at doing it literally. Uh, so he's trying to remove all the temptations out of the land. And to do that, the children of Israel have to, have to eradicate these peoples. And the Amalekites are among those peoples. And so God says to the first king of Israel, to Saul, go eradicate the Amalekites. And Saul goes, okay. And then he goes and he doesn't do it, right? And when Samuel, who is furious, 
because God's furious. Yeah, I love the prophet Samuel. Nothing negative is ever said about Samuel in scriptures. It's, it's interesting. Anyhow, um, he comes to Saul and he is furious. And Saul says, look, I've done what God said. And you kind of see, I wrote about this on the, the front of the bulletin article. Tried to uh, dramatize it for you a little bit. Uh, but Saul has, I'm picturing him with this big smile. Look, what I've, I've done what God, is, what God asked me to do, Samuel. I kind of feel like Saul always looks at Samuel like, you're just such a, 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 a downer, Samuel. You're always talking about God demands this and God demands that, and I'm never good enough. And Yeah, you're not good enough, Saul, because none of us are. Only through Christ. But back to our lesson. Samuel looks at Saul and he says, you did what God told you to do, huh? Why do I hear sheep and oxen then? God told you to eradicate everything, and here I see a whole herd of sheep, a whole herd of oxen. There's the Amalekite king standing right there in front of me. Samuel's going to hack him to pieces, by the way. And then Samuel says this really interesting bit to Saul as his smile is fading, as it's faltering. Samuel says, God desires not sacrifice. You brought these things for sacrifice. Thinking that you could buy off God? You thought that you come into worship, that you sing and if you could buy him off? 21st century language for what Saul's actually trying to do here. He's trying to bribe God with these sacrifices. I know I didn't do what you said to do, but you're so tiny and so puny and so ignorant. I'm just going to throw some sacrifices at you. And, and this, sir, surely this will satiate you. Surely if I just come to worship and surely if, if I just sit in my pew and surely if I just listen and try to stay awake during the lesson, uh, then that'll satiate you. And God says, no, I, I desire obedience over sacrifice. Interesting, right? The next time you hear this phrase is in Psalm chapter 40. Flip over there real quick. Psalm chapter 40. You know the guy who wrote this psalm. It's King David. And uh, you can probably put the pieces together just like I did. David was aware of what had happened to Saul. In fact, David is anointed king of Israel in the very next chapter after Saul has disobeyed God. In, sometimes we let Saul off the hook too easy. Uh, we think, oh, that's just a mistake. That's not a mistake by Saul. This was direct rebellion. He's doing what he wanted to do, despite what God's command was. I'll just bribe God with some animals and he'll be fine. It's not how it worked out. There was punishment there. So, David is aware of what happened with Saul. And so, it looks to me like David lives his life trying to not be like Saul. So, what happened to Saul did not happen to David. The kingdom ripped away from Saul. David could not allow that to happen. This relationship, even more importantly with God, was ripped away with, from Saul. David was not going to allow that to happen. And so when David sinned, which he did on a couple of occasions, um, we're told of, and I'm sure a great many other times as well, that we're not aware of. So when that happened, what did David do? He repented. He's a man after God's heart. He wants to obey. Everything that, that, that God says, David wants to do it, but he falls short. Because he's human. And he can't 
fall in line. Not every time. Not in every way. So he falls. He sins. Here in Psalm 40 verse 6, you have the passage that our author in Hebrews 10 is recording for us. This is where he, this is where he gets it. Psalm 40 verse 6, he says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is written within my heart. David says, I want to do everything you say. This open ear part is not in the, the Hebrew quotation. In Hebrews 10, you don't find the open ear. You find uh, a body prepared. And we'll talk about that in just a second. There's an interesting tidbit there that you need to be aware of. But David's way of saying, I want to do everything that you say. He, he says that when he says this, uh, you've given me an open ear. Everything I, I hear you say, I'm ready to do it. But David says there's, there's a caveat here because I just can't. I just can't follow three. David's out kicked his coverage, basically. His, uh, his desire has outreached his ability. He wants to obey God in everything he says. He just can't quite get there. Can't do it. Why not? Because it's not written in his heart yet. David, a thousand years before Jesus is born, is aware of the Old Testament sacrifices, frailties. He's aware of the old covenant and its infirmities. He says, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to listen to every word that you say and obey. I just, I'm, I can't. I'm falling short. And he's, he's still dealing with all the guilt and the regrets and all the stuff that's coming to him from all of his past sins. He's it's still weighing him down. He can't get past it. So while he wants to do what God says, he can't. He's struggling. Carry that back into our passage in the book of Hebrews, and you find the Hebrew writer saying, Saul couldn't, not even David could, but Jesus did. He heard everything that God said, and what? He did it. Happily did it. Every time fell in line behind God. Every time lined up behind Him. Every time obeyed. I mentioned that uh, the Hebrew uh, author doesn't include the open ear. He includes a body prepared. The difference there is between the Hebrew, like what David's writing in, in, uh, in Psalm 40, is written in Hebrew, right? He writes an open ear. The Septuagint, when it translates an open ear, it takes the Hebrew idiom, an open ear, and it translates it into something that a Greek person would understand. It essentially means the same thing. I, in my body, will do everything that you want me to do. I will obey in everything that you've asked me to do. He's saying essentially the same thing. But what's interesting is, this allows our author of Hebrews to bring in this idea of body, which brings in what idea? The incarnation, right? How did Paul put it in Philippians 2? Jesus was obedient even to what? Even to the point of death, right? In his body. 
And it's only through that sacrifice that we're cleansed. Right? That, that's what he's trying to drive at here. He's saying you, you want, and he's, talk, remember, he's talking to Jewish folks who are, I mean, just readily aware of this idea that the old covenant hasn't got the power to purify. It can pardon you, or at least it used to be able to. I think God's taken that away now and he's done away with that, that ability. But it used to be able to pardon you, but it can never purify you. And so you walked around with that burden on your back your entire life. While you were pardoned, you still weren't innocent. You're still guilty. But through Christ, he says, he removes the guilt. He removes the regret. All that he cleanses your conscience. And you're pronounced innocent inside of Christ. As long as you're inside of Christ. It only happens inside of Christ. How do you get inside of Christ? Through the power of baptism. Right? Let's finish up the rest of the chapter, or the rest of this little section. Verse 8, he says, When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, the first covenant in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified. We've been sanctified. Underline sanctified because sanctification is the important aspect of what our authors are trying to men drive through. It's the idea of purification. The old law didn't have, <clears throat> the, old law didn't have the power to part, or didn't have the, part, the power to purify. Finally, there's a way that you can not only hear what God says, but do it every time. Do we still sin? Yes, he makes us perfect inside of Christ. Now, how all that works, I don't know. But I know he does it. Hebrews 10 assures me of that. 1 John 1, 9 says, When I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive me. Right? So carrying around a load of guilt today. Nothing else can pardon or purify you. There's only one door through which you can walk to get pardon and purification. It's the exact same sort, exact same door today. You can go to another religious system and find pardon or purification through any other way. There's claims there, right? But they're all wrong. There's no power there. Power is only found inside of Christ. And so if you're carrying around a load of guilt today that you're ready to lay down, you lay it down and can only lay it down and only have to lay it down once at the foot of the cross because his one-time sacrifice makes that possible through the offering of his body. What an opportunity. Why would you pass it up? Today, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, you need to alleviate be alleviated of your sins. You need to give those things over to Him. To have your sins washed away through the power of baptism. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning. And you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. Why don't you come this morning as we stand and sing. Here is your word, Lord, the
Good morning. Our announcements, uh, some upcoming activities uh, taking place this week. Young at Heart will be this Tuesday, and they will meet at the building at 10.30 a.m. for a devotional, and then we'll leave for Fratelli's after that. Also, uh, just a reminder that Ladies Bible Class meets here each Thursday morning at 10 a.m., and all ladies are invited to join in on, in that weekly study. Also, there'll be a deacon's meeting next Sunday, March 20th at 5 p.m., and also a teen devo next Sunday evening after services. Updates to our prayer list. Uh, just continue to pray for each, each of those that are going through cancer treatments, um, be with Kristen and Jennifer Baker and, and others. Also, some additions to uh, those currently listed in the room update. Jim Haney uh, was recently diagnosed with a low blood count. We'll be going through some treatments for that. Mikey Blake, this is Tony Blake's son, had a uh, seizure last week and will be following up with, a, uh, with some doctor appointments for that. Also, J.D. Lawson, this is J.B. and Wanda Lawson's grandson, will be going to Children's Hospital tomorrow to have his pacemaker checked out. And Dave's surgery was rescheduled uh, for the end of the month on March 31st. That, or, uh, that is all the updates that I have. Uh, make sure you do pick up a Rome journal out in the foyer. It has uh, all of the upcoming activities as well as a complete list of all of those on the prayer list. Uh, just make sure that we keep each of those in our prayers this week, especially uh, don't forget about our, our shut-ins as well. I want to invite you back to our evening services at 6 p.m., and we'll have one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 510. We'll sing the first two verses on Jordan's Stormy Banks, and after that, Brother Darren Baker will have our prayer. Oh, joy, Oh. 
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for another day that we could come here and worship your word, study and sing. And Lord, we just pray that our worship service was according to your word and pleasing to you. Father, there's many on our hearts and minds, several been mentioned here today that in need of our prayers for, for healing. Father, you are the great physician. We ask you to be with them. Special prayer for Jennifer, for Kristen, the wards, the whites. Father, we just pray for all of them. We pray for comfort and peace for Kristen. Be with all those others that are mentioned, Lord, that have tests up and coming. Those are waiting results. Those are going through treatments. Father, we just pray you'll bless them with a good portion of health. Father, as uh, we watch the news and we see the events of this world, we see so much war and strife, turmoil. Father, we pray for peace. Lord, we pray for intervention in Ukraine. If the governments can't uh, come to a peaceful settlement, Father, we ask you to, to do what only you can to step in and help the people of Ukraine to overcome the struggles that they, that they have. Father, we're so thankful for your forgiveness, your grace. We're not worthy. We sin daily. We ask you to continue to be with us, bless us, and forgive us. And it's in Jesus' blessed name that we ask these things. Amen. <clears throat> 